is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And I think that Bill O'Brien, 
he did things his own way and he felt like this is the best thing to do in his, in his part because for the simple fact he was in charge of the team and he felt like he can just do anything. But I'm so excited that they got rid of him because they need someone that, that's, that, that's, that can help elevate Deshaun Watson game because it's something still a little off about his game. And I think Bill O'Brien wasn't the coach to develop uh, Deshaun Watson. I'm so excited for the Houston Texans, man. And I know the fans going crazy down there. Yes, I'm excited too. I'm happy that Bill O'Brien is finally out as head coach and general manager of the Houston Texas Clarence. This all started last year when he decided to trade away Deshaun Watson's number one target at receiver. When he traded away DeAndre Hopkins for, for David Johnson, his injury-prone self. I hope he still can bounce back, you know, and have some better seasons, you know, for future seasons to come. But for the most part, David Johnson has been very injury-prone. And you traded away DeAndre Hopkins, a top-five receiver in the NFL. This is a player that had a great relationship with your young franchise quarterback in Deshaun Watson. Why would you trade him away? He produced at a high level. It made no sense. And then to get off to an 0-4 start to the season this year, I look at the rest of these quarterbacks in the NFL, the young quarterbacks. I'm talking about Lamar Jacksons of the world, the Patrick Mahomes of the world, even the Carson Wentz of the world. Carson Wentz has Doug Peterson. Lamar Jackson has John Harbaugh. Patrick Mahomes has Andy Reid. Deshaun Watson has Bill O'Brien, an incompetent head coach and general manager who seemed to want to basically control the organization. He basically made decisions based on his personal feelings, and I'm glad that the Texans have made the decision to move on from Bill O'Brien. To me, football didn't really matter to him. It was more about his personal feelings towards players, not making them to use the Texans a better team and not positioning Deshaun Watson to be elevated in his success as a you know, helping team overall. So I'm glad they moved on from, from Bill O'Brien. We can move on to our next topic. We ain't got to talk about this too much. You know, I do hope they can get in a young, great play caller for Deshaun Watson. So Deshaun Watson can be put in positions to be successful like Lamar Jackson, like Patrick Mahomes. But nevertheless, Bill O'Brien deserved to be fired because his personal feelings outweighed the importance of the team's success. Because when you trade away your number one receiver, that's exactly what that's telling us. So I, I, see, I think the Houston Texans management, they saw it as well as us. So we got what we got today. So Bill O'Brien is officially out as Houston Texans head coach and general manager. Les, I'm so excited for the Texans, though. I wonder who's going to be the next coach for the intermediate, you know? Yeah, for the intermediate few. We'll see. We'll talk about that on Wednesday's show. But let's get back to our Monday night football matchup as we got the Atlanta Falcons traveling to Green Bay to take on my Green Bay Packers, 3-0 in the season. Matt Ryan versus Aaron Rodgers. This is the 10th meeting between the two quarterbacks. Matt Ryan, surprisingly, is 5-4 against Aaron Rodgers. Combined average of 57.4 points per game, no turnovers. Julio Jones is expected to play in this matchup. Devontae Adams was ruled out this morning, Clarence. He wasn't too happy about it. I ain't too happy about it, but he wasn't too happy because he said he's ready to play. But the Packers organization, I think they want to hold Devontae Adams out because, you know, we got a bye week coming up in week five. So it's going to give Devontae Adams two weeks to come back in week six and be ready to go, you know, for our, our run that we're about to go on. Because we're about to go on a run. So, what are the keys to this matchup between the Falcons and the Packers? All right. So, let me. I'm going to just start off with your precious Packers. 
I think the keys for the Niners. I think the the keys for the uh, for the uh, Green Bay Packers side. They can they create pressure on the defense side. Can the Smith brothers get some sacks on uh, Matt Ryan? Because for the simple fact, Matt Ryan has been struggling with his pressure toward going towards his way. And and another thing, I, and another thing for the Packers. Uh, it's, it's basically enjoy the Aaron shows. The enjoy the Aaron show from Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. How can how can they be balanced in this game tonight? Because you know they're both they're both a huge threat. And Aaron Jones and you, you won't want him to get his touches. You won't want Aaron Rodgers to get his passes. So how can you balance that out and win the game? And I'm gonna switch over to the Atlanta Falcons. I now for them for them in particular, I think you have to put up a lot of points against this Packers team to even win this match. You have to keep storm. You cannot. You cannot have a lot of three and outs or a lot of calls, a lot of petty turnovers. You have to put up points against this Green Bay Packers in order for you to win this game. And I think another, and not I think, but the other factor in this matchup, though, Trey, is can the defense create pressure on Aaron Rodgers, and can they stop the run because Aaron Jones is going to be running all over them. He's a beast. He's a power runner. He's he's, he's a hybrid. He's 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 a lucifying like he, he's someone that's gonna break out in a heartbeat. And believe it or not, he does well in green. He does well in Lambeau Field. He averaged literally a hundred yards rushing, literally a hundred yards rushing when he's at home. So if you if you if I'm the Atlanta Falcons, I'm trying to stop the run and create pressure for Aaron Rodgers so he won't get riddled. He's already won't have his top receiver Devontae Adams. So that right there should be a plus. And Alan Lazard. So you have to create pressure. You have to. You can turn them to a one-dimensional team. Okay, let me start off with the Atlanta Falcons. What are the keys for the Atlanta Falcons in this matchup? One of the keys for the Atlanta Falcons, for me, offensively, is going to be, can the Atlanta Falcons establish a running game with Todd Gurley clearance? You know Todd Gurley came over in free agency and he signed with the Atlanta yeah. Falcons. He played at the University of Georgia, so, so he's well-known in Atlanta, well-known in that state. Can Todd Gurley get back to his 2018 Self. You remember in 2018, the year the Rams went to the Super Bowl, Todd Gurley had over 1,200 rushing yards, 256, you know, carries, what, 17 touchdowns, 59 receptions coming out the backfield. So he was an important piece to that Los Angeles Rams team that made it to the Super Bowl against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. In order for the Atlanta Falcons to have any chance in this matchup going up against Aaron Rodgers, you want to keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline sitting next to Matt LaFleur as much as possible. Because if Aaron Rodgers is in the game and he's getting multiple possessions, 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 that's going to be more points and opportunities for my Green Bay Packers to put up points on the scoreboard. So I think one of the keys is going to be, can the Atlanta Falcons establish a running game with Todd Gurley? And can he show that he's still a top 10 running back in the NFL? Over the last year or two years, Todd Gurley just hasn't been the same. Since that Super Bowl run with the Rams clearance, he hasn't been the same. And I think the same way we talked about Cam Newton being on that comeback tour, we also need to be talking about Todd Gurley being on a comeback tour of his own so he can get back into being mentioned in that top five running back conversation because right now he's just not in that conversation. But I think he need to establish a running game. Also, for my, for, for, for my Packers, I think defensively, we got to get better, Clarence. We got to get better on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I think we're going to have Kenny Clark back tonight. Maybe. I, I'm not sure. I think I, he might be out. I, I got to check the, the, the scouting report again, the injury report, but he might be out. I want Kenny Clark to return. Preston Smith, Darius Smith, you know, Jair Alexander in the secondary, Kevin King in the secondary, Adrian Amos. Look, 
these brothers got to get stops, okay? Although our offense has been playing at an elite rate, we gave up a lot of points against the Detroit Lions Clarence in, in week two. We gave up, I believe, 30, 25 points to Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints, you know, last week. So it might have been 35. I'm tripping. It might have been 35 points. Yeah. So we've been giving up a lot of points defensively. You know, sometimes I get my statistics and stuff, but we've been giving up a lot of points defensively. That has to improve because I want us to get better at being able to get timely stops. We got a high-powered offense, but the only issue is right now, Allen Lazard is injured and he's going to be out indefinitely. Um, so that's something that's going to you got to keep in mind too because he was playing well. He actually had a good game last week against Drew Brees and New Orleans Saints. Allen Lazard played very well against that Saints secondary, and now he's injured, and Devontae Adams obviously is out tonight. So Tonight, we're going to see a lot of MVS, Marquez, Valdez, Scanley. You know, we're going to see a lot of maybe Equinus St. Brown. He got injured last year in training camp, so we didn't get to see him play last year. So we're going to see a lot of, you know, different receivers in this particular game that's going to have to contribute for Aaron Rodgers. But for the most part, I'm calling out our defense. Tyler Lancaster, Dean Lowry, Preston Smith, Jair Alexander, Adrian Amos, you know, Darnell Savage. I need these boys to get stops so Aaron Rodgers can put points up and on the board. So that's my keys for both teams. Atlanta establishing the running game with Todd Gurley and the Packers defense getting timely stops so they can create more opportunities for Aaron Rodgers to put up points. So I'm going to ask you this real quick, though, before we go to the next question. Since you go two top receivers are out of this game tonight, um, so in your opinion, Trey, who is the, it was the X factor in, in this game tonight? Aaron Jones. You know, I, you hit it right in the mouth on the money. I think Aaron Jones is the X factor because Aaron Jones, you can split him out wide and line him up as, up as a receiver. So he could be a receiver threat, just like a threat in the backfield as a running back. So I think he's going to be the X factor for the Packers offense. I believe Aaron Jones, you know, being the kind of all-around player that he is, I think being utilized in a Matt LaFleur system, we really get to see Aaron Jones' talents and his strengths as a multi-player. Like, I don't even look at him as being like a, just a running back. He is one of those players that can play multiple positions. He's similar to Le'Veon Bell. You remember Le'Veon Bell when he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers? The Steelers sometimes lined him up in the backfield. Sometimes they had him, you know, out, split as a receiver. Sometimes he was a slot. That's how you can utilize Aaron Jones. I think Aaron Jones is the X factor for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers tonight because we don't have Devontae Adams and we don't have Alan Lazard, so we're going to have to rely on Aaron Jones helping us in the passing game. Yeah, I, I certainly I'll be on the lookout for Aaron Jones having a, a major workload tonight, like Alvin Kamara did last week. So I expect him to carry a lot of load. And by the way, last week we gave up 30 points to the New Orleans Saints. I forgot. We gave up 30 points. So it was 37-30. I forgot. I mean, I forgot how many points it was, but we got so many statistics we got to remember. But yeah, we gave up 30 points to the Saints. And in previous games, like I said, we gave a lot of points to the Lions. I want us to improve on defense, man. We got to get much better because once the games, you know, start slowing down, Aaron Rodgers, he might not be able to put up 40 points. He can still put up 24 or 30, but he might not be able to put up 40. You know what I mean? So our yeah. defense got to get stops. I agree. I think Considering, I think considering we're going to be going up against possibly the MVP and Russell Wilson in the playoffs. Yeah, I thought you, you're, you're, you're not wrong on that because you have to create pressure on these quarterbacks in order to be destructive. And you get, as long as you're getting the hits on these quarterbacks, I think that would be just perfectly fine. But at the same time, you're playing against Matt Ryan, a, a pass-happy quarterback, so you have to create pressure to mess up his room. Definitely. Question on here. 
can you make the argument that Aaron Rodgers is the second favorite to win NFL MVP? I will say I will agree. Me, like, you know, as much as I trash talk to Aaron Rodgers, but I think he's having a phenomenal season. I think, you know, he, he had a lot of critics coming in, coming into the season, thinking that if he don't get it together, Jordan Love is going to be the next guy up. And I, and I believe that motivated him to just, like, have a stellar season that he's having so far. And I'm just saying, though, say, hey, hey, he's a, he's my second favorite MVP vote right now. But if he keep keeping this up, it's a possibility he can, he can, he can uh, lead Russell Wilson for it. It's a strong possibility. You better believe it is. So far in the season, Aaron Rodgers has nine touchdowns, zero interceptions, Clarence. Ahern, 87 passing yards. He's completed 67% of his passes last year in a down year because we judge Aaron Rodgers according to Aaron Rodgers standards. Everyone wanted to act like Aaron Rodgers was on a decline. Last year, Aaron Rodgers had 26 touchdowns, just four interceptions, threw for over 4,000 passing yards, completed 62% of his passes. And we had folks like you trying to act like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is on the decline. Aaron Rodgers isn't the same player anymore. That's because we judge Aaron Rodgers according to Aaron Rodgers' standards. Any other quarterback in the NFL, imagine if Ryan Tannehill or Baker Mayfield had 26 touchdowns, just four interceptions. We'll be talking about how great of a season they had. But because it's Aaron Rodgers, we judge Aaron Rodgers according to Aaron Rodgers' standards. And so we got to act like Aaron Rodgers is in decline and, oh, Jordan Love is going to take over the starting job at quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Jordan Love can't even be on the... 54-man roster on the game day roster. When the roster gets released, Jordan Love doesn't even make the roster. Tim Boyd, our backup quarterback, is in as our backup. Jordan Love is sitting on the sideline in street clothes. Street clothes. And it's the same guy y'all was trying to say was going to replace Aaron Rodgers. That's why I was so, like, calm when I saw, and I, and I, was, I felt relaxed. When I saw how relaxed Aaron Rodgers was at training camp, did you see Aaron Rodgers in training camp? Just kind of, he was kind of free spirited. He 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 was just flinging that football. He was just being himself. He wasn't. He didn't let none of the naysayers affect him in training camp or nothing. He just went about his job like he normally always does. And he basically can you can see free spirited. He now is at a point in his career where he knows he's proven. He's know he's he knows he's going to the Hall of Fame. Aaron Rodgers doesn't buy into all the haters like you, Clarence, who always pretend like he's done and on the decline. Aaron Rodgers doesn't listen to Skip Bayless on FS1. He doesn't listen to all those critics like Nick, like not, not, not Nick Wright, who is it, Colin Cowherd on FS1, who say Aaron Rodgers is washed. He doesn't listen to all those individuals. Aaron Rodgers still knows what he brings to the table. Of course, he's still in the MVP discussion. Of course, right now, he is second in the MVP campaign behind Russell Wilson. So, yeah, he's second right now, so we know we know what it is. Who who wins tonight? Much as I'm going to pull this upset alert because you know how teams be playing hard against certain type of teams, and this Atlanta Falcons team they play real hard against this Packers team because they know Aaron Rodgers is is a is a game changer and he will put up massive points in order for his team to win. But unfortunately, like. The, the Falcons, their defense is not making any stops. They blew, like, so many leads in the past. But I got Green Bay winning this one. I think this is going to be a tight, tight shootout. I honestly think they can win 31-28. Have some guts and pick the Falcons. 
Pick the Falcons. Can't, man. I can't. I don't. You're not. I but I'm. Win. I can't. Guts. I can't. If who knows not, it's a go. It's not a go. A good to go. It's gonna be more problems on the Atlanta Falcons side. I'm, I'm gonna expect Ty Gurley to have like 25 carries. Like I, I think I think the spread is 20 is seven and a half right now. I got my Green Bay Packers covering that spread. So Vegas, Green Bay is gonna cover that spread tonight. So if any betters out there got my Packers covering that spread is gonna get done. I got Green Bay 38, Atlanta Falcons 24. So I think they're gonna win by two touchdowns tonight. I think Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons will score a late touchdown and make it look good. But Aaron Rodgers is going is two touchdowns better right now than Matt Ryan. Period. I got Aaron Rodgers, 38, Matt Ryan, 24. It's going to be a good excitement show tonight on ESPN at 8.50. And let's not forget, let's not forget, tonight also on CBS, I believe it's at 7, we're going to have the New England Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs game as well. So that game is going to be on tonight too. Unfortunately, Clarence, I'm so disappointed that Cam came down with the coronavirus because I wanted to see Cam go up against Patrick Mahomes, man. I'm, I'm so depressed that I got to see Brian Hoyer going up against Patrick Mahomes, man. Oh, man. Give me your prediction. Who wins tonight? Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Come on, man. Chiefs, 45, Patriots, 17. God, you, you expect them to get blown out? Yes, because I thought Cam Newton was a Cam Newton was an X factor. He was a difference in this game because I believe the Patriots would have had a chance because they would have dominated the time of possession. So they would have ran a football with Cam Newton and tried to keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline next to Andy Reid. That was the only chance I gave the Patriots to win this game. If they would have been able to play ball control and have Cam Newton dominate in a running game, you know, with Sonny Michelle. And, and have some success in the running game, that was the only chance I gave the Patriots. Now that Cam Newton's not going to be playing, they're not going to be able to beat the Patrick Mahomes led Kansas City Chiefs with Brian Hoyer. Give me a break. Come on. I agree. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good matchup, but Kansas City winning this for like 35 for like 21. 25, 21. Let's move on and let's switch sports and go to the NBA as the Miami Heat beat the Lakers 115 to 104. And the Miami Heat now trail the series two games to one for the Lakers. LeBron James had 25 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. Anthony Davis dropped just 15 points, 5 assists. Jimmy Butler had a great game, Clarence. 40 points, 11 rebounds, 13 assists. So, question for you, my friend. What went wrong for the Lakers in game three? What went wrong for, the, uh, what went wrong for them is they, they wasn't uh, synced into the game. And Anthony Davis only scoring 15 points and five rebounds. That was That's what went wrong. When your second, when your other star is not scoring the, and, and putting up points while the other star is. The other star, LeBron James, almost had a triple-double last night. Anthony Davis only gave out 15 points. At this point, this is the NBA Finals. Regardless, this is an easy easy rounding, or you feel like y'all can win this final, you have to show up. You have to show up every game so you can prove that that this is not going to be an easy route for them. And Jimmy Butler just had his way with, with the uh, game with the uh, Lakers yesterday. He was balling. You couldn't stop him. I'm going to tell you this. I was I watched that Adonis Haslam speech for like over like five times. I, listened, I looked at his mouth. Oh, he was cussing up a storm. And Jimmy Butler, he was fired up. He said, look, we ain't losing game three. We're not. We don't give a damn about 
if the Lakers is up 2-0. The ener- that's the energy going in. And he's playing with a chip on his shoulder, so he didn't want to lose that out. I think, honestly, specifically, like the Lakers, they wasn't synced into this game. And LeBron James, he couldn't carry the lick, carry the, uh, carry the, uh, carry the load for real no more because it's other star. And Davis is not showing up. You hit it right on, on, on the nose, Clarence. I, I completely agree with you. This is a debate show on Wise Guys, but we agree here, bro, because Anthony Davis, I always talk about how I think Anthony Davis, his talent warrants him to be in that top five NBA conversation as far as the players. I, I always believe that his talent is on another level, and I think he's a top five player. Last night, he wasn't even a top 20 player last night, in my opinion. <laughs> last night, Anthony Davis, he wasn't aggressive at all in this game, only nine field goal attempts? That won't get it done. And last night, Clarence, Cal Kuzma and Morris both had 13 shot attempts. How in the hell does Cal Kuzma and, and, and Morris have more shot attempts than Anthony Davis? What the hell is going on here, Anthony Davis? What, what? This is why I say there are times where Anthony Davis defers and he's not aggressive. I was happy the way he played in the Western Conference Finals against the Nuggets, Clarence. He was aggressive throughout the entire series. You know, he attacked the Joker. He attacked the entire Nuggets defense. They had no answers for Anthony Davis. And he was pretty much aggressive throughout the series, even going up against the Houston Rockets. Like, that's part of the reason why the Lakers are in this position right now, two wins away from the NBA championship, is because Anthony Davis has been the best player, arguably, on the Lakers. I mean, we know how great LeBron James is. We know LeBron James is an all-time great. But you can make an argument that Anthony Davis has been the best Laker so far in these playoffs. But in game three, Clarence, he just did not bring it. And there is no way that Kuzma and Morris should have more shot attempts than your other co-star on your team. That is inexcusable. That cannot happen again. And maybe because he was in foul trouble, that contributed to him struggling and not being as aggressive on offense. Because you know he got an early foul trouble in this game, but only 15 points, that's not going to get it done. The other thing in this game that went wrong for the Lakers was the Butler showed up. Jimmy Butler carried the Miami Heat on his back last night, Clarence, dropping 40 points without shooting a three-point shot. Let that sink in. Jimmy Butler didn't even attempt a three-point shot, and he had 40 on the Lakers last night, and he completely outplayed LeBron, okay? He outplayed LeBron in game three from start to finish. And Jimmy Butler became just the third player in NBA history to have a 40-point triple-double. The only other two players who've had a 40-point triple-double in the NBA Finals, Jerry West and LeBron James. That's some great company to be a part of if you're Jimmy Butler. Also, Jimmy Butler became the first player to outscore, out-rebound, and out-assist LeBron in an NBA Finals game, and that includes even LeBron James' teammates. Okay, Jimmy Butler completely took over this game, and Clarence, last night after the game, I started thinking about Jimmy Butler and whether or not Jimmy Butler is truly a superstar. I believe Jimmy Butler is a superstar. I'm going to give you some of these players I think Jimmy Butler is better than currently right now. I think Jimmy Butler is better than Bradley Beal. You agree or disagree? I agree. I think Jimmy Butler is better than Kyrie Irving. You agree or disagree? At this point, in this moment, yeah. And I love Kyrie Irving. I love Kyrie. I'm a Kyrie fan. I don't apologize for it. I think Jimmy's better than Kyrie Irving right now. Jimmy Butler's better than Chris Middleton right now. Say it with your chest, Clarence. Say it with your chest. Yeah. He's better. 
Jimmy Butler is a better closer than Giannis. Not a better player, but I think he's a better closer. Yes, he's a better closer than Giannis because Giannis is limited offensively. So Giannis doesn't even have a go-to move in clutch moment. Wait a minute, hold on. We've seen Jimmy Butler close games for the Miami Heat. I'm still waiting on Giannis to close games for the Milwaukee Bucks. This is the two-time NBA MVP that we're talking about here. This is a player that most people recognize him as being a top three player in the NBA, even though I don't believe Giannis is better than LeBron. He's not better than Kevin Durant, and he's not better than Kawhi Leonard in my eyes, but there are people like you that believe Giannis is the best player in the league. But I think Jimmy Butler is a better closer than Giannis because Jimmy Butler is a great mid-range shooter. Give him his credit, Clarence. He has a great mid-range game, and he can get to certain spots to score, and he keep the Miami Heat in games. Down the stretch of these games, it's big Jimmy Butler that's been carrying the Miami Heat. That's what happened last night. And I think so far in these playoffs, like in, in the Eastern Conference Finals, it was a collective effort. We saw Tyler Hero drop 37 in game four. We saw Gordon Dragic have a few good games in the Eastern Conference Finals. But I think Jimmy Butler played pretty well against the Milwaukee Bucks. Remember game one when he dropped like 40 in game one against the Milwaukee Bucks? I think Jimmy Butler should be mentioned in that superstar conversation. I think he's a top 10 player right now. And if he wins another game in this series, he's definitely in the top 10 right now. See, I ain't like the way how you just kept bringing it up. Giannis, man. We let the MVP be home and let Jimmy Butler have his finals moment, you know. But I'm not saying that Jimmy Butler's better than the Greek freak. No, I'm no, saying, no, no. I'm saying Jimmy Butler is a better closer than the Greek freak. Under three minutes, I trust Jimmy Butler to deliver for me as a team more so than I trust the Greek freak. I yeah, trust I the ball being in Jimmy Butler's hands more than I trust the ball being in Giannis' hands because we've seen Giannis get shut down completely in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, going up against Kawhi and the Raptors, and this year, going up against Jimmy Butler's Miami, Giannis was limited offensively. That's the issue that I have with Giannis. He doesn't even have a, a go-to move once you stop him from getting inside the paint. He can't hit perimeter shots. Jimmy Butler can hit perimeter shots. But well, he can't even hit perimeter shots in this game. He still dropped four. So let me ask you this, though. You know, this has been a controversial uh, conversation that's been going on since, since uh, Sunday night. So we seen LeBron James walk off the court, like you know, like in nine, it was still nine seconds in the game, you know, like what, like what's your personal reaction to that, to that, to like reasoning, like when he walked off the court with nine seconds left? I would be more critical of LeBron if he did this and it was a closeout game. Like let's see, let's say the Miami Heat somehow upset the Lakers in this NBA Finals clearance. If LeBron James just completely walked off the floor in a closeout game, I think it would be more of an indictment on LeBron James. But because it was the end of a game three matchup where the Miami Heat beat the Lakers, I'm not going to condemn LeBron for these actions. I think this was just LeBron's way of saying, all right, I got outplayed tonight by Jimmy Butler, and I got we got beat by the Miami Heat overall on the game four. And I think you see at the end of the game, you saw Jimmy Butler say to LeBron, I think he told LeBron, like, oh, y'all in trouble. Y'all in trouble. Did you, did you see that? Did you see, the, did you see Jimmy tell LeBron that y'all in trouble? Did you see that? I like the fact that Jimmy Butler is basically standing up to LeBron and not backing down. I love it. I love it, Clarence. And 
I'm excited because now we're going to get a chance to see LeBron rebound, and I'm going to get a chance to see him come back in game four and redeem himself. He didn't play bad yesterday, really. He didn't play bad yesterday, too. I, I felt like he could have been aggressive more at times, but we're going to get a chance to see LeBron redeem himself in game four. I'm excited about it. That's why I love Jimmy Butler trash-talking LeBron at, at the end of the game. But when it comes to him walking off the floor early, I had no problem with it because it wasn't a closeout game. Had it been a closeout game, I would be more critical of LeBron. We lost Clarence Clarence will be back here shortly. <laughs> Everybody remember to go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram with these guys. No sports. We live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Today is Monday, October the 5th. We're talking about the NBA Finals as the Miami Heat beat the Lakers in game three of the NBA Finals, 115 to 104. So the next question of this segment is, what adjustments does Frank Vogel need to make in game four? So before we bring my man Clarence back in here, I'm going to take over the show. Some of the adjustments I think Frank Vogel needs to make, I don't think there's necessarily any major adjustments he needs to make because the Lakers are the superior team here. They're the superior team over the Miami Heat, and they're still expected to win this series. I expect, just like Frank Vogel expects, LeBron James and Anthony Davis to play much better in game four. And I, I expect Frank Vogel to demand his team to be more aggressive because in game three, the Miami Heat outscored. The Miami Heat outscored the light Lakers 52 to 34 in the paint. There is no reason why the Lakers should be getting outscored in the points in the paint department. You have the bigger team. You have Anthony Davis on your squad. You have Dwight Howard, a Hall of Famer, on your team. You know, one of the best big men of all time. You have JaVale McGee as well on your roster. There is no reason in hell why the Miami Heat should be outplaying the Lakers in points in the paint. Points in the paint, how do you get outscored 52 to 34? I think Frank Vogel needs to demand his team is more aggressive in game four. And they need to establish that they are the bigger team and they're the more superior team over the Miami Heat in game four. 52 to 34 advantage for the Miami Heat in points in the paint is inexcusable for the Lakers. They got to do better than that. Now, yeah. Clarence, you back? Yes, sir. Okay. I was just talking about that we were, the question was what adjustments does Frank Vogel need to make in game four? And I was talking about how the Miami Heat, they outscored the Lakers in points in the paint. 52 to 34. That's inexcusable for the Lakers. They are I the agree. bigger team. They're the more superior team. And there's no way in hell the Miami Heat should be having more points in the paint than the Lakers. The Miami Heat are the smaller team. What the hell happened in game three? Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, I didn't think, but I believe that the, the Lakers, they got they got outplayed throughout the whole game. Jimmy Butler had, was was like intact. He was in motion. He was in ready. He was ready in this game. And for this Lakers team, if you had to make some adjustments, you have to rebound the ball. You have to be the advantage on the on the defensive side and on the rebounding side because you have the advantage of bigs. And believe it or not, he didn't even have Bam out of bio in this game, but in this game on Sunday. And it just it doesn't make sense because you don't have one of your big fans and you're out rebounding a team that that like big that that strength is rebounding. So I think yeah. for the LA Lakers, they have to rebound and they have to get a lot of shots. Not a lot of shots. They had to get a lot of blocks 
and steals. They had to cause a lot of turnovers because they cannot play lazy on this uh, Heat team because the Heat, they they have the momentum on their side and they feel like they can steal another game and going into this series. So if, if, the, if I'm the Lakers, I want to tighten up on my bigs, tighten up on my bigs so they rebounded, you know, playing defense and getting and playing basically playing on the other side of the floor. So yeah. the main factor is this the big man, they have to be the best. They have to be the bigs. Last night, last night, we saw the JV team outmuscle the varsity team. Because the Lakers are the varsity team and the Miami Heat are the JV team. Last night, Clarence, the JV team got the better of the varsity team. Let's call it what it is. So yeah. they got to do a much better job in game four. And even in this game, in the first quarter, the Lakers turned the ball over 10 times. The Miami Heat turned the ball over three times. In the fourth quarter, the Lakers had five turnovers. The Miami Heat had only one turnover in the fourth quarter. So they have to do a better job of protecting the basketball in the early and the end of these games. Because the Miami Heat did a better job, you know, protecting the basketball and not having so many turnovers. See, as I watched this game last night, I thought Miami Heat, they came out with more force. They were more aggressive. You could tell they wanted game three more than the Lakers. And then the yeah. Lakers got into a rhythm and they got back into the game, and, you know, in the second and third quarter. But when we got back to the fourth quarter, the Miami Heat pulled away because they wanted it more and they executed better offensively and they didn't have as many turnovers as the Lakers did. So I, I give a lot of credit to Eric Spoelstra and his Miami Heat group because they're not going to get swept in this series. I said Lakers in six. Then I end up saying that possibly it's going to be a sweep. It's a good chance, Clarence, we're going to have a gentleman sweep, and the Lakers are going to beat the Miami Heat in five games. You agree or disagree? Well, it all t depends on tomorrow's game. If Jimmy Butler had that same energy, it might. Our prediction might come as possible, Trey. We might get a, a game go to six, but I agree with you, though. It's looking more like Lakers in five. If the Lakers don't get it going tomorrow, if they're, they're going to game six. LeBron better not let the Miami Heat win game four. He better not let the Miami Heat win game four. Jordan would sweep these Miami Heat teams. He would sweep these boys. I'm telling you right now, all these LeBron James fans out there, I always want to talk about how LeBron is the GOAT. He's better than MJ. He's better than Kobe. He's better than Kareem. Damn it, LeBron better not let this Miami Heat team push this Lakers team to seven games. I said Lakers in six because I know the Lakers are the more superior team, but even if it goes, as you watch game one and game two, Clarence, we watched it. The Lakers were the more superior team. LeBron James need to slam the door shut on the Miami Heat tomorrow night in game four and take a commanding 3-1 lead heading into game five, man. Look, Jordan would sweep this Miami Heat team. He would sweep them right on out of the bubble and right back home, okay? Let's call it what it is. Like, I, 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 can't, I don't want to hear it on none for LeBron James fans. If this goes six games, it's an indictment against LeBron because the Lakers have the superior team. This is a this is a varsity team playing against the JV team. <laughs> like, man, come on now. Yeah, for the for the Miami Heat, they playing, they 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 got a lot of momentum in, on their side. Anthony Davis and LeBron James, they got to be dominant in game four tomorrow just to feel like they can put away. Because I see the Miami Heat, they took this game like it was game, game four. They down 3-0, so they playing with that type of energy and feeling. For sure. Let's move on to some NFL for our last few minutes of the show. The Cleveland Browns beat the Dallas Cowboys 49-38. Baker Mayfield, 19 of 30, 165 passing yards, two touchdowns. Odell Beckham had a great game, five receptions, 81 yards, two touchdowns, even had a 
rushing touchdown clearance. Dak Prescott had with 41 to 58, 502 passing yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Amari Cooper had 12 receptions, 134 receiving yards, one touchdown. Real quick, what happened to the Cowboys in this game? I think for the Cowboys in this game, they made Dak Prescott throw the ball a lot. And they they didn't utilize Zeke, in my opinion. I feel like they ain't, they ain't, they ain't really, like, was committed to running the football. I, I feel like it was more – I felt like it was more more of a – this is Dak Prescott moment to show that he's a proven quarterback in this league. And you can't play with that type of play style, though, Trey. And I'll be real short and quick. When you don't run the football, it takes away from their game, their, their true game. And the Cleveland Browns, they was lights out. They was lights out in there. But – but the Cowboys, I feel like they can't close out games when they play against a, a, a competitive team. The Cleveland is competitive, but when you're not running the ball with Zeke, it causes problems. You're wrong here. The main issue with the Dallas Cowboys is their defense is atrocious. Their defense is atrocious, Clarence. They gave up 49 points to the Cleveland Browns. This is the third straight game the Dallas Cowboys defense has given up 38 points or more. Okay? The Cleveland Browns had... 307 rushing yards, and Nick Tubb left the game. He got injured yesterday. He's been placed on IR. He left the game, and the Dallas Cowboys gave up 307 rushing yards, Clarence. Like, they can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. Me, you, and Jordan can go out there and put up some yards and points on this Dallas Cowboys defense, bro. Their defense is terrible. You <laughs> Like, it is bad, and this is part of the reason why they might not make the playoffs. They can't get stops. They're trying to win games in shootouts. You can't win a Super Bowl if you always have to win in a shootout, you know, formula. That's not going to win you a Super Bowl. You have to run the football effectively more with Zeke. You brought up Zeke. They need to involve Zeke more in a running game, but defensively, they got to get some stops because when you're going up against elite quarterbacks in your conference, like Aaron Rodgers, like Russell Wilson, you have to be able to get stops as a defense if you want to have any chance at winning a Super Bowl, okay? Their defense is atrocious, and Mike McCarthy, he hasn't done a good job so far being the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Clarence. He has not. I don't know what the difference is when I watch these Cowboys compared to when I watched them last year when they had Jason Garrett. Is there a difference? There's no difference. I just think the difference in this is the defense is a mess. And like you said, you can't win games trying to have a shootout with a lot of players. You have to have a defense to at least get some key stops. And I think for this Cowboys team, over the last four games, they gave up almost 37 points, and that's a franchise record that they've been giving up in a four-game span. But you have to clean up the defense, and you can't win a lot of games in shootouts, especially games that is tough and like this one. I want to talk more about this game on Wednesday's show. Uh, because I want to talk more about the Dallas Cowboys and their issues, because I don't think Mike McCarthy is doing a great job as head coach for the Cowboys so far this season, Clarence. He got completely outcoached yesterday against Kevin Stefanski and the Browns. But, hey, before we get out of here, bro, go, Pack, go. We're about to get that win tonight and prove to 4-0 in the season, heading into this bye week. Hey, Devontae, get healthy. Kenny Clark, get healthy, because we're going to need y'all for the stretch run, okay? Everybody, Go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram with these guys know sports. Mr. Nixon, I'll see you on Wednesday night. Yep, yes, sir. I'm going to see you Wednesday night and be watching this Packers game. 
for sure, bro. I'll hit you up. Have a good one, bro. You too, bro. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.